Praise God. I want to hope you're having a wonderful day and want to welcome you to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. So glad to be able to have you here to join us as we partake in God's word. And like always, before we dive into scripture, let's open with a prayer. Dear Father God, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your word. And I want to thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to gather together virtually to be able to partake of your word. Lord God, I ask that your spirit would just prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Lord God, and to be able to receive your words and that your spirit would speak to us in your own special way so that these words can get deeply planted within our spirits and come bubbling up whenever we need them, Lord God, without having to think about what to say, Lord. I praise you. I love you, Lord God. And I want to thank you for, again for this opportunity. Let this message go where you want it to go. Let this be a blessing to all those that hear it, Lord God, and let it be used for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God again. So glad to have you here to be able to uh, join us as we partake in God's word. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to go ahead and pause this message and Run, grab your Bible, maybe a pen and a pad so you can take some notes and highlight or underline things as Holy Spirit speaks to you as we go through these scriptures. And once you have your Bible and everything, come on back and press play, because as you all have heard me say uh, numerous times, is that it's important for you to be able to see for yourself what's in the word of God so that you're not just taking any one individual's uh, word for it, but you can actually see it for yourself because we know that the Bible says that there are false prophets out there. So it's important that we get grounded in the word and we understand what scripture says for ourselves, so that we can see any lies that might be, be coming out. So diving into scripture here, now that you hopefully have your Bibles with you, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse number one. Romans chapter 10, verse number one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear witness, uh, before I bear them witness, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Underline that. For everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does these, th does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend on, into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Underline all of verse 9. If you don't have that underlined, underline all of that. That if you confess with your mouth 
the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The main scriptures that I really want to focus on there are, are, are verses, uh, verses 9 and 10. And, and I'll read those again. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is what these scriptures tell us what we need to do to obtain salvation. Now, as children of God, we if you are if you are a believer, if you are a child of God, then you know this you you've done this process, if you will, uh to obtain salvation. And many Christians will say, you know, I'm saved. I believe in my heart. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've confessed it with my mouth. So therefore, I've done what Scripture has, has said. So I have salvation. I've punched my ticket into heaven. While that might be true, when we become saved, God doesn't automatically then just take us away and call us to be home. We are still on this planet, which means that there must be something that God expects us to do while we are here. And that's what I want to talk today about is I want to talk about what is the role of a Christian? Because after all, like I said, when we become saved, we're still here on this earth, which means God still has a purpose for us. There's still things that God expects us to carry out. Becoming a, a, a child of God, be, uh, obtaining salvation, excuse me, obtaining salvation and becoming a child of God doesn't necessarily mean, however, that we're Christians. Okay. The word Christian means a follower of Christ. When I become saved, while I might be a son or daughter of God, my behavior dictates whether or not I'm a Christian. Every single one of us has a last name that represents the family that we were born into or a family that we are part of. So while that last name represents a particular family, our behavior, however, the things that we say, the things that we do, how we act, how we treat people may or may not be representative of that particular family. So that means as a child of God, if I'm not acting in a way that a Christian should act according to the word of God, and we'll look at what, what the word of God says, if I'm not acting that way, then all it simply means is that I'm simply a child of God, but I'm not necessarily behaving as a child of God. Okay. James 1.21 talks about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. That's the difference between being a child of God and being a Christian. If I am a doer of the word, then I'm a Christian. Now, obviously, I can't be a Christian without being a child of God. So that means I must first accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and do like we saw in Scripture here. That then makes me a child of God. But then my actions, I need to start behaving like a Christian in order for me uh, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer, a hearer only. Okay. Many people will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but what we do and don't do determines whether or not we are living a Christian life. One of our roles is to share the gospel to all and without shame. Psalm 119.46 says, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and not be ashamed. 
Meaning that as a Christian, it doesn't matter who I might be standing in front of, whether it's a, well, in this case here, they're talking about kings, but anyone in any kind of leadership authority, no matter who it is I might be speaking to, I will not be ashamed to preach the gospel of God. Jesus also told his disciples to preach from the rooftops. So let's look at what scripture says about in terms of preaching the word of God by going to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to go to verse number 27. Praise the living God. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. This is what I was just what I was just talking about. Jesus telling his disciples to preach on the rooftop. And what and what and what you hear in your in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both uh, both soul and body in, in hell. So here we see what Jesus is saying is, don't be afraid of man, all right? Don't be afraid of man. Fear God only, all right? So part of our role is to make sure that we're not being fearful of men. As we're talking about the things of God, we don't worry about how somebody is going to react to that, all right? Now, I can tell you from experience, and I'm sure we've all have had these experiences, when you are getting ready to tell somebody about God and maybe maybe the person is, is acting in a way that uh, um, you, you, you would say, like, I, I need to I need to have a conversation with you about God because, you know, you quote unquote know better. Right? Like if we're going to have a real like if we have a real conversation about this. Right. We, we've all have seen folks that, that call themselves Christians. And their behavior makes you wonder. And you might be in a situation where it's somebody that you really care about. And so you want to share something with them. But maybe you feel a little bit of fear and hesitation about sharing that with them because you're not sure how they're going to react. Or maybe in the past they've said, listen, don't preach to me. I don't want to hear anything about God. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray and mind my business and be done with it. So we all might feel some of that that initial fear of, ah, I don't really want to say anything to them. But what this scripture is saying here is don't fear man. Okay, don't fear man. All right. So even though you might feel that initial fear and you might not want to share it with that individual, we have to be able to go out and then say it to the person because that's what God is calling us to do. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So what Jesus is saying is, listen now, all right, as a child of God and as a Christian, you are more value than a bird. Because the hairs on your head are numbered, meaning that, that God poured so much detail into creating us that he even knows the number of the hairs on our heads. All right. That should give us some comfort and some confidence in knowing that when God calls me to do something and I go to do it, not to worry about what's going to happen because God cares for sparrows, but he cares for me much more. Okay? He cares for me much more. All right. God reveals things to us in secret. God reveals things to us in secret. He won't tell you something specifically for you in front of others. In other words, when God is talking to you, he's not going to call a conference call. He's not going to say, go bring your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, and all these people into this conference call because I have something I want to share that's specific to you. He doesn't do that. He speaks to you, to speaks to us in secret. So in verse 27 there where it talks about 
Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. This is Jesus saying, whatever I tell you behind closed door, doors, whatever I say to you, I need you to go and share that with others. Now, we have to use Holy Spirit wisdom with that, of course, because not everything that God shares with us in secret is intended to be shared with other people. It's all about God's timing. So we definitely need to make sure that we're, we're under the unction of the Holy Spirit. But we also need to understand that God will share us things in privately that he expects us to speak openly. Okay. So when he shares, when he says to us, share what he has, what he has told us that we need to do it without fear of men, but with fear, but out of fear and respect for God, because he cares more about us than the sparrows. Okay. Because he cares more about, about us than the sparrows. Verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father. This is a very, very, very serious warning that there are consequences for us not confessing Jesus Christ in front of others. And if you look at the world right now, and if you look at the different agendas that are being pushed, there are a lot of things that are being pushed that are contrary to the word of God. And we are expected as Christians to be in compliance with those things. And if we dare speak out about the things of God against some of these agendas, we then all of a sudden get labeled as people that are hate, hateful, that, that serve a, a God that isn't loving, that, that we are intolerable, that we don't accept. And the reality of it is, listen, we know what the word of God says. And it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to stick to what the word of God says. You don't have to believe me. It doesn't mean that it's not true. You don't have to believe what the word of God says. That doesn't mean it's not true. So what we have to do as children of God is we need to make sure that we are sticking to the, to, to, to the word of God and that we're not behaving as closet Christians. Okay. A closet Christian is one that says inwardly, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God, but won't dare, but won't dare say that openly and publicly. Especially if they're being, if they're, especially if they're being asked for it. A true Christian isn't ashamed of the gospel. So for us as children of God and as Christians, part of our role is to not be ashamed of the gospel. Verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his loved son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Some very, very, very powerful things there that Jesus, that Jesus is talking about. Okay. First and foremost, if you look at verse 36, and a man's enemy will be of those of will be those of his own household. All right. Understand that the devil will attack you in your own household. OK, he will attack you in your own household. This is one of the reasons why scripture talks about not being unequally yoked, meaning don't be getting involved uh, uh, um, and especially being married to someone that isn't on the same page in terms of their spiritual walk with God or in, terms, or, or, or in putting God first and having Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I know people that, that, that are unequally yoked like that. And there's a lot of friction there. 
And there's a lot of heartache usually that's experienced by the, the, the believer that's in the relationship because they're wanting their spouse to believe the same things and start seeing God the way that they see him. But that individual just doesn't see it. So it does cause a lot of a lot of heartache. All right. And, and as the households get bigger and bigger, if you will, it's, it, it means that it's going to be even e harder, I should say, to spot. All right. It's going to be even harder to spot where that deception can come from. All right. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. So we've got to make sure that we're keeping a watchful eye for what's happening around us, because those that are very close to us, those that we care about, OK, could very well end up leading us astray if we're not careful. The reason there's a reason why the word of God says that in those end times that the very elect may even be that the very elect may even be deceived. All right. So that means that people that are near and dear to us, even other believers and other folks that we know are 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 are, are true Christians, if you will, and and are, are now striving their best to reach God's standards, even those people could potentially be deceived. That's what the word of that's what the word of God says. Okay. One of our roles as a Christian is also to make sure that we put God above everyone. Everyone. We must put God above everyone. I don't know how many times I've spoken with people that say that they're Christians. And when they say to me, like, hey, you know, um, it's really, do you really put God above your wife and your kids? And I say to them, I said, yeah. And they look at me and they're shocked, like, that, that's not what God wants. I'm like, well, that's what scripture says, is to put God first. Well, but, but what about if that relationship with God puts a strain on, on your relationship with your family? And my response to that is, God will take care of my relationships. If I put him first, everything else will fall into place. That's why Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that means all the things that we care about, all the things that we're praying for, all the things that we're trying to accomplish in life will happen if and only if we put God first. That means God needs to go above your spouse, needs to go above your children, needs to go above uh, uh, mother, father, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, the workplace, okay, your job, whatever it is, God must be first in all of those things. And then everything else will fall into place. Verse 38, he says, and he, do, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So what this is saying here, Jesus is saying, listen now, you know, following me, yeah, it comes with a burden. It comes with a price tag, okay? It comes with a price tag. And those of us that have been with the Lord long enough, or actually for any amount of time, knows that things can be very challenging at times for us as children of God. And as we strive to do the things that God wants us to do, there is a toll to pay. There is a price tag that comes along with it. It can be, and if we're being open and honest about our walk as, as, as believers, we all should be honest in saying that it's not always easy to follow God. That's why Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. And that's why he said that you will you, you will be hated for my namesake and you will be persecuted for that. Right. He so Jesus. No. And that's what Jesus is saying to them here is that you have to take this. You, you have to be willing to, to shoulder this burden, if you will. Um, not all burdens. Right. The Bible also says cash the cares on me for I care for you. But there are some burdens that Jesus expects us to be able to to, to, to take on the things that we are actually built for. All right. Oftentimes we try to take too much. 
So the things that God is requiring us to take on, what Jesus is saying is you've got to take those things on and follow after me if you want to be considered worthy of me. And you need to lose your earthly life to follow after my life, to follow after me, because that's true life. That's where eternal life comes from. All right. That salvation that we obtain by accepting Jesus Christ, which gives us, grants us in heaven, that grants us access to heaven and being able to spend eternity with God, that, that that's that eternal life that we obtain through salvation. But while we're here on earth, we need to be able to, quote unquote, lose our lives. Now, I'm not saying go take your own life. That's not what this is saying. But we need to be able to, 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 to put aside our desires, the things that we want to do, living our lives the way we want to live it and live it according to what Jesus is talking about. Okay. God calls us to speak the things he tells us to say, to fear him only and not man, to put him first and to confess him in front of others. We are also called to make disciples of the nations. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And we're going to go to verse number nine. Mark 16, verse nine. Now, when he, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those, uh, and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was, that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Underline that. They did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Underline that. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay. So there we see in, in verse number 15 there that God is tells them to go preach the gospel to every creature. All right. So what this means for us is that we need to go share the word of God with everyone, okay? With everyone that Holy Spirit directs us to go speak to, we need to share the word of God with them. This doesn't mean that every single individual is called to be a preacher, okay? And I know that there are Christians that will uh, shy away from uh, this scripture in particular because they think, well, I, don't, I, I can't be a preacher. I don't have a desire to be a preacher. Well, one, if you're willing to lose your life for Christ and follow after him, and he calls you to be a preacher, you need to be obedient to that calling if that's truly what he's calling to you to do. But two, preaching the word of God doesn't mean that you're standing on in a pulpit and you're, 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 you're at a church and, and that you wear the title of a pastor or a reverend or something like that. Preaching the word of God simply just means go talk to people about the word of God. All right. To go teach them about the about the word of God. And there's so many different ways to do that. It's not just so. So don't get wrapped up on, on the word preach. Just understand that it's about teaching people about about the word of God as God's spirit's director directs us. Now, this is easier now to do more than ever. With the advancement in technology over the over the many, many, many years, it is so easy to get the word of God out there. 
You listening to this message shows you how easy it is to gain access to the word of God. There's social media. You can, uh, uh, there's emails. There's internet links that you can send. You can you share messages on Twitter and whatever other social media sites that are out there. So it's, it's not hard to be able to share the word of God with others. Text messages, apps. You know, there, there's so many apps in, in, in the app store he says, iPhone user, there's a lot of apps on the app store that you can download that, 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 that have Bibles in them. And they also have a verse of the day that you can get sent to your phone. So it's so easy to be able to share the word of God. So for us as Christians, there's no reason why we shouldn't be sharing the word of God. Verse 16 says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The amplified translation of that scripture says, he who has believed in me, and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. This, this, this shows us that there's a serious warning here about the word of God. Okay, There's a seriousness um, to the nature of what happens if we don't share the word of God with others. As we may miss an opportunity for someone to get introduced to who Jesus is. Okay, we could miss an opportunity to share the word of God, which then would allow them to be introduced to who Jesus is. So their salvation in some in, in some ways can very well be affected. Okay. God is not God said he was not going to send Jesus until his word covered the entire earth. All right. Which means every single individual that has either died or is living now and that will pass every single human being has already had the opportunity or will have the opportunity to hear about God and have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. It's an individual choice, however. So we have to make sure that if God is putting on our hearts that you need to go talk to this individual about me, you need to share my message with this person. Don't be that person that says, I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid of how they're going to react. I'm not going to do it because I don't want that person to know that I'm a child of God. Because you never know whether or not you talking to that person is their opportunity to be able to hear about God and be able to turn their life, their, their, their life around. Okay. Now, this doesn't mean, however, that we can convert anyone. We cannot convert anybody. All right. And there's so many out there that will say, I saved X amount of souls and I saved all these people. Nobody does the saving. And if you ever hear someone that says, oh, I went to this convention or I talked to this person and I saved X amount of people, you go the opposite direction because none of us can actually save anybody. All right. Nobody can. Only an individual through that confession of their mouth that we saw early and through the belief in their heart of, of who Jesus is can obtain that salvation. OK, none of us can. And that should feel really good to us because what that means then is that the burden on, on me to get somebody into heaven doesn't exist. Even now, as I share this word with you, it's entirely up to you on whether or not you want to receive it. If you don't receive it, it's not going to be anything that falls on my shoulders. It falls on your shoulders. The same way that when I decided to become a child of God, when I accepted Jesus Christ, that was my choice. Nobody made me become a child of God. In verses 17 and 18 there, we see that as Christians, we are also called to cast out demons. We are also called to cast out demons. 
Now, I know that there's some that will say, oh, my gosh, why are you talking about demons and casting them out and all of these things? That's, you know, Twilight Zone or something that's not true. Well, if you look at Scripture, and we just saw it right there in verse number 9, that, he ca that Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, Jesus talked about demons. Jesus talked about how the power of the Holy Spirit can cast these things out, and he has done it himself. So as children of God, that means we have the same power and authority through the name of Jesus to do the same thing. We should be doing those things. If you're getting hit with the spirit of infirmity, you bind up that spirit of infirmity. If you're suffering in your finances, you bind up that spirit of lack. If you're constantly dealing with, 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 with feelings of doubt or feelings of fear, you bind up that spirit of fear. You bind up that spirit of doubt. That's casting out demons. You can cast them out of, out, out of your life. You don't have to accept the torture that they try to put you under. All right? One of Holy Spirit's gifts, and I won't get into a, a, a sermon about gifts, but one of Holy Spirit's gifts is being able to, to speak in tongues. And oftentimes that is a manifestation that, that you have Holy Spirit. And so there in verse number 18, uh, or excuse me, verse 17, it says they will speak with new tongues. So this is something that Jesus is talking about is being able to speak in tongues. All right. And you can go into into the book of Acts and you can see where Holy Spirit was poured out there and people started begin started speaking and speaking in tongues. All right. So as children of God, we should be seeking after after the gifts of, of, of the gifts of the spirit. We also should be praying for the sick. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter five. James chapter five. And we're going to go to verse number 13. James chapter 5, verse 13. So one of the other things we should be doing is being able to pray for those, uh, pray for those that are sick and pray for people. James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing psalms. Just to pause there for, for, for a second there. There are some Christians out there that believe that whatever I'm going through, it's God's will, therefore I'm not going to pray. But it says right there in verse 13, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. So if you see somebody suffering or if you're suffering yourself, God is calling us to pray, to pray. We weren't put on this earth to suffer. God does not expect us to be here in suffering. Yes, he expects us to endure uh, uh, hard times and challenges and trials and tribulations, but not to suffer, but to pray. And if you're ever feeling down, sing psalms. If you ever, ever, ever were feeling in, in any mood less than being joyful and happy, and you just start singing praise songs and just singing to God, it just does a, I can't even describe how good of a feeling it makes and how much, of a, how much it'll lift your mood. Many mornings and almost every morning, I will pray in my bathroom. I will play some praise and worship music and it just lifts up my spirit. It puts me in a really good mood and it gets me prepared for the day. And it also sets an atmosphere for me to be able to hear from Holy Spirit. So being able to pray is something that, 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 that is important for us as Christians. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Underline and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All right. This is one of the reasons why we go to church. This is one of the reasons why we go to church. 
Because as we fellowship with each other in the body of Christ, we get to learn about each other. We start sharing various things that are going on in our lives. Or maybe Holy Spirit would give you some insight into what's happening in a, in a person's life. And then it puts us in a position to be able to ask for prayer. To be able to ask for prayer. Okay? When you get a bunch of spirit-filled, blood-washed, born-again Christians in a church. And they're sitting there and they're praying on one accord about a situation. It's amazing how the hand of God can move. It's amazing how the hand of God can move. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. There we see again a role that we have as, as Christians. And that is that we need to be talking to, to, the, to the unbeliever about the error of their ways. Not judgmental. Okay. Not being judgmental. Okay. Don't go out and start condemning a sinner to hell because of their action. Because don't forget, at some point, you were a sinner too. All right? Every single one of us at some point was a sinner in our lives. But we turned our lives around and we found God's grace and his ultimate love. And we, we accepted Jesus Christ and, and, and that gives us the ability to, and, we, and we've obtained salvation. And so we can ask God to forgive us for our sins. And that's what we should be talking to people about. We should be talking to that sinner and trying to turn them from the error of their, or at least letting them know about the error of their ways. But as I said earlier, all right, we cannot save somebody. We cannot save someone. All we can do is encourage them to not stray away from God if they know God already. And if somebody doesn't know God, we should be encouraging them to turn their lives over to Christ. As Christians, we should do what we can as God instructs us to ensure that other Christians are living a life acceptable to God. Now, I know there's many that will say, you know what, who am I to tell someone or to judge someone of their behavior? And it's not being judging. It's not being judgmental. But as a child of God, if I see another brother or sister stumbling and God puts on my heart, you need to go share a word with them. I'm going to share a word with them because at the end of the day, I have the same desire that God has and that I don't want to see anybody not make it into heaven. So I want to be able to do what I can to share with people as Holy Spirit guides me and then let them make the choice. If they choose not to do it, then it's not on me. It's on them. Like I like I talked about earlier. We can't bury our heads in the sand and keep the things of God to ourselves. We need to involve ourselves in the affairs of the world as God instructs us, not stand on the sideline and watch the world continue to burn. If you look at what's happening around us, as I talked earlier about some of these agendas that are being pushed, the world is burning, if you will. We can't afford to just turn off the TV and not look at the news and not know what's going on and not talk to people because we are so focused in our three foot world that all I want to do is read scripture and pray, go to church and that's it and mind my business and stick my head in the sand. That's not what we are here to do. That's not what we're here to do. And there's so many Christians and it, and it, 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 it bothers me when we as, when we in the body of Christ, are living victorious lives and we see somebody else not living a victorious life and we don't say anything 
especially somebody that we care about. And I've seen Christians just ignore others in the family that they're close with and that they claim that they care about. They ignore everything that they're doing. They don't want to get involved. And meanwhile, that person is on a path to hell. Okay. They haven't accepted Jesus Christ that anyone is aware of. And if they did, their behaviors clearly indicate that there's some work there that needs to be done, but nobody says anything to them. They just say, well, that's an adult. They can make their own decisions. And to me, when I look at that, I say, well, how can we call ourselves a body of Christ if we're not willing to go to those that are, that are suffering, go to those that need help? The easiest way for us to be able to get involved is through prayer, just as we saw in these scriptures talking about praying for one another, praying for the sick. Prayer is not always enough, though. Sometimes we have to go. And Jesus will call us to go. Last few scriptures here, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to go to verse number five. Yeah, Matthew chapter 10, verse number five. These 12, uh, these 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter, uh, enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. There we see it again, cast out demons. And we see again, praying for the sick. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is, a, is worthy of his food. So when God sends us out on our assignments, all right, the only thing we need to bring with us is Holy Spirit. That's the only thing we need to bring with us, all right? Don't go bringing old baggage on your new assignment. Don't go bringing uh, uh, um, negative thoughts that, you know, no matter what I say to this person, they're just not going to listen. If God is telling you, go talk to that person, you go talk to them and you bring Holy Spirit with you because Holy Spirit will direct your conversation. He will tell you what to say, when to say it, if you should even say anything at all. He'll guide you in whether or not, or, or he'll, he'll guide you whether or not you should pray for that individual right there. Because sometimes it might just be, you need to share a word and then leave it alone. Sometimes Holy Spirit might say, you need to pray with this person. Holy Spirit may say, you need to lay hands on this person. All right. Whatever it is that Holy Spirit is instructing you to do, you have to go ahead and do it. But that's the only thing we need to bring with you on your, on your journey is Holy Spirit, because it's his power that heals the sick. It's his power that cleanses the lepers. It's his power that raises the dead. It's his power that allows us to cast out demons. And at the tail end of verse eight, freely you have received, freely give. We should freely be sharing the things of God with people, not looking for anything in return, freely given to it. Why? Because God freely gave it to us. Therefore, we should freely be giving it to others. Verse number 11. Now, this is important here. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is in it, uh, who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. If you don't have all the verses 14 and 15 underlined, 
Underline all of that. And whoever does not receive your or nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What Jesus is saying here, listen, don't be discouraged when somebody rejects what you have to say. Don't be discouraged. Not everybody you talk to is going to be willing to listen to what you have to say. Some may just sit there and tolerate you until you're done speaking. Some will just walk away from you. Some will change the subject. Some will ignore you. I've had it happen to me. You do this enough, somebody is going to reject what you have to say and not accept it. Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry about that. That person has a choice to make. Shake that dust off your sandals and keep it moving. Shake the dust off and keep it moving. No matter how much talking you do, you cannot convince someone to believe something that they don't want to believe. You cannot convince someone to believe something that they flat out just don't want to believe. No matter what you say, no matter what you show them, no matter what uh, 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 victories you've shared with them and miracles, if they don't want to believe it, they're not going to believe it. This is a weight that's lifted off of our shoulders, like I was talking about earlier. It's not a burden on us or our burden to bear to get somebody to believe the things of God. All we have to do is share it with them. Go to them, say what it is that Holy Spirit wants to say, do whatever it is Holy Spirit wants us to do, and then we're done with it. Unless Holy Spirit tells us to go talk to him again. That's it. Anyone that doesn't receive your message will have to answer for it. God isn't keeping a tally of how many people we save because he knows we cannot save anyone. You and I have no power to give salvation to someone. I don't care if you walked up to the person and, and, and you put a gun to their head, which hopefully, I mean, as a child of God, you've got some other issues there. All right. Praise God. You've got some other issues there if you do something like that. But even if, if somebody had a gun held to their head and was told that they were going to be shot right there on the spot, if they didn't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they may go through the motions. They may say the words. That doesn't mean in their heart they truly accept it. Okay. That person has to want to be able to do that. So in closing, how can we start acting the way God wants us to act? It all starts with having a desire for God. It starts with having a desire to please God and no one else. Putting him first. Spend some time in your, in, in your quiet moments and just ask God to reignite a fire within you to do all that he's calling you to do. To do all that he's calling you to do. To eliminate any fear that might be in your life about sharing the word of God with someone because you don't know how they're going to act. Studying the word of God so you can stay ready for that moment when God calls you and says, go talk to that person. Staying ready and getting ready. They're not the same thing. Getting ready means I have to prepare for what it is I'm going to do. Staying ready means I'm already ready to do it and there's no preparation time in there. The only way we can stay ready is by studying the word of God, is by constantly seeking him out constantly listening to what he to what he has to tell us okay but that desire is all where it starts and lord knows that now more than ever we need god in our lives we need to be longing after him we need to be stopping at nothing to build that deep relationship with him so that we can live in him and do what it is that he is calling us to do praise god well i hope this message was a blessing to you and before we close, let's pray. Oh, dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for that message that came forward, Lord God. And I just 
want to pray for everyone that has heard this message, Lord, and just ask that you would speak to everyone's hearts, Lord, that you would guide everyone, that you would reignite a fire within us to please you and only you to do the things that you are calling us to do, Lord God, to step out in faith on any journey and assignment that you might be giving us, Lord God, and that you would strengthen our faith so that we can remember, Lord God, that you've equipped us to do the task that you've assigned to us, Lord. Develop a desire in us, Lord God, to talk to others about you so that they also can find the same love and the peace and the joy and the just awesome time and, and awesome feelings that we have by being your children. Lord God, I pray that you would bless everyone, Lord God, that you would continue to watch over for watch over us. And I want to thank you, Lord, for always providing for us in the in the way that you do and for always speaking to us in your own special way. We praise you. We love you, Lord God. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. If that message was a blessing to you, feel free to share this uh, with friends, family and loved ones and anyone that might be giving you a hard time. Uh, you can find us on our website at Genesis one. That's one word dot sermon dot net. And if you click on the subscribe button, you will receive notifications anytime new content is posted. We can also be found on our YouTube page. We have a YouTube page. You can search Genesis one Christian ministries and you'll be able to find our messages on there. And lastly, if you go to the Apple store, Apple app store or the uh, Android Google Play store, you'll be able to find uh, a Genesis one app where you can download it to your phone and again, be able to access the word of God and, and messages that way. And all of this is free of charge because we know that God's will is not for anyone to perish. So we make this free of charge uh, for anyone that wants to access it. So praise God. I hope again, this message was a blessing to you. Go in his peace, go in his strength, and remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God. And I sing praises to you.